At 4 a.m., three members of a terrorist organization planted bombs beneath the bedroom window and the kitchen window of Chester A. Rutledge's split-level home in Bethesda, Maryland. It was a Friday morning, a school day, and at 6.30 a.m., Rutledge's 16-year-old son Luke was the first to awaken. He yawned, threw back the covers, and headed immediately for the bathroom in the hope of getting there before his 13-year-old sister Mary Ann, his 11-year-old sister Lisa, and his 4-year-old brother Jeffrey, whom everyone called J.R. Mrs. Betty Rutledge was the next to awaken. As she passed the bathroom, she smiled sleepily at her oldest son and blew him a kiss. She wore a pale gray robe that made her blonde hair look flaxen and her blue eyes glow. Ham or bacon, Luke? she asked him. Both? His mother laughed. Sure, why not? And what about the eggs? Poached. Four of them. My little boy is growing up. Luke Rutledge inspected his face for acne in the mirror. I wish I could make Dad believe that. Oh, he believes it. He may be trying to postpone it a little, but he believes it. And whether you think so or not, dear, your father only wants what's best for you. The boy turned away from the mirror and looked carefully at his mother. I guess I was out of line last night, huh? I should never have yelled at Dad like that. I should never have said those things. It's just that... Those three idiots in the Lincoln who hit us. Everyone says things they don't mean when they're mad, his mother interrupted, not wishing to hear the story again. But I've never talked to him like that before. I'm kind of surprised he... he didn't smack me or something. Now I sort of wish he had. His mother went to him and patted his head down onto her shoulder. When you love someone, Luke, dear, words can hurt a lot worse than a slap. What I said was that bad? The boy's mother continued to pat his head. I think what you said hurt him more deeply than you know, or you would never have said it. You and your father are a lot alike, Luke. Neither of you show much emotion, and that just makes it harder on both of you. But don't worry, dear. If you feel badly about it, just tell him when he gets up. Your father will understand. He cares for you so. I'm sure he'll forgive you. The boy's eyes were suddenly glassy. You really think so? Betty Rutledge was sure of it because she and her husband had stayed up late worrying over the argument. Her husband's feelings had been badly hurt, but he wanted nothing so much as to regain his son's respect and affection. She did not tell her son that. Instead, she said, I think you'll both feel much better if you have a good talk, okay? Yeah, Mom, sure. And thanks. Her son was whistling as he walked through the dusky halls to the kitchen. She plugged in the automatic coffee maker, put on a skillet for the poached eggs, and began to make toast. Upstairs, she could hear the clump and giggle of her daughters waking up, and soon, she knew, she would hear the familiar sounds of toilets flushing, showers purling, hair dryers whining as her daughters went through their preschool routine. Little J.R., hair must with sleep, thumb in his mouth, would be the last to come down, dragging his blanket behind. This was Betty Rutledge's favorite time of day. She was alone with her thoughts, but she still had her family around her, warm and loving, with their troubles, their small triumphs. It was in the morning that the four kids and her husband, Chester, seemed exclusively hers, in the morning before school or sports or the office took them away into the world. She poured herself a cup of coffee and began to prepare breakfast. At 6.58 a.m., Luke came clopping into the kitchen. He piled bacon on top of a piece of toast and jammed half of it into his mouth. 